Vintage Church. How are you doing today? Y'all doing all right? Man. Well, it's good to see you. Maybe you're here uh, visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a while. Well, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here, and you have jumped right into a series we started through the New Testament book of James. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series so far? Y'all have enjoyed it? Come on. No. One of the things I love about James is he is like a man's man and a pastor's pastor. And we're going to continue to dig in uh, to the book of James this week and next week. I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of those weeks, you can download the Vintage Church app. We are going uh, through the book in chronological order and pulling out the big themes that I believe really, really apply to us Today, I also want to encourage you, if maybe you're just now getting connected uh, to Vintage Church, I haven't had a chance to meet you. I, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is uh, for you to plug in to the church. We have several ways you can do that. As a matter of fact, right outside this exit to the right, uh, I like to loiter in an area called the guest suite along with all of our pastors and a lot of our staff and serve team leaders. We'd love to help you take your next step. We also host serve team socials. We have one coming up uh, at my home. I would love uh, to meet you, get to know you, and talk a little bit more about um, how you can grow and develop here uh, into our church family. It's one of the greatest things you can do is jump in with both feet, especially if you're in the military. I know you have limited time here, and so you've got to absolutely maximize it. Um, you know, we're going to jump in, and today we're going to talk. Um, we're going to talk about humility. You know, we've been building on different characteristics through the book of James. One of the things I love about James is James wasn't a faker. How many of y'all been around those people? You know, they're just fakers. You can just feel that they're fakers. James is like whatever you saw is what you got. As a matter of fact, James didn't even follow Jesus during his time, entire earthly ministry. There's lots of Jameses, uh, Johns, and Peters in the Bible. Okay, the James we're talking about is the half brother of Jesus. He saw Jesus grow up. He watched him go out into his ministry, and he was just kind of skeptical. And he was watching Jesus his entire ministry. He didn't follow him, but he did see him go to the cross. And the Bible says uh, that Jesus himself personally appeared. Prior, or after his resurrection to James's half-brother. And for the first time, James saw his half-brother differently. It wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth. It was the Messiah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. I can imagine James, uh, James probably, uh, like Thomas, put his fingers into uh, you know, the nail marks on his hands and really just made sure like this was Jesus. And the Bible says that his entire life was changed. He went from the marketplace as a job, and he went into full-time ministry. James would become the second pastor of the first church at Jerusalem. Now, this is really important. As we're talking, you know, in really a similar context, I think sometimes when you read the Bible, you can read the Bible and you can think, especially the letters to the church, you can think that they're letters to the world. Or their letters about how you and I interact with the world. The truth of the matter is when you look at the vast majority of all the letters in Scripture in the New Testament, it's teaching believers how to get along in the body of Christ. Did you know it's really hard for us to be the salt and the light of the earth if we can't even get along with each other? You know, a lot of times, though, we will misapply or mischaracterize things that were said in the letters to the church in the context of a spiritual family committed, growing together in faith, and we'll apply it to different, uh, uh, different people and different things. And, and one of the things James does is he comes in and he says, listen, guys, I'm going to teach you from God's word how you and I are supposed to do this thing called Christianity. How can the world see our faith up close and personal, this idea of bona fide faith, the real thing? James was like that. He was this kind of guy that had calluses on his hands. You know, he, 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 he did what he said he was going to do, and he meant what he said. Today, we're going to take a look at a biblical idea here in our Faith in Motion series. We're going to focus in on Humility. I want to open, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 4. We're going to be a little bit over the fourth chapter of James 
today, but James chapter 4, I'm going to read this. It's going to be on the screen as well. I'm going to encourage you to use the notes that you get every single week. You are smarter with a pen. It is a scientific fact. You will retain more and more information if you write it down, listen to it, and see it. You're several hundred times more likely to retain it. Even if you threw away that piece of paper, uh, the numbers are not back on thumbs. I'm sure that's better than nothing, so you can also follow along on our app. A lot of people tell me that I talk too fast, to which I say, no, that's because you're slow, right? Come on, somebody. All right. So you can actually listen back to me. Some people do double time. Most people, for me, they have to do half time, and it sounds normal, but all those notes will be if you miss any of those uh, in our notes uh, on the app as well. James 4, chapter, six, or chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. But he, speaking of God, gives more of and say more. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is not talking to the world. He's talking to the church, a church that was in the middle of Rome. How many of you guys look outside your doors, turn on the news, maybe scroll through your social media feed, and you're like, I think I'm in Rome too. Anybody? <laughs> you kind of look at it. It was a dark place. Christians were struggling. Like, how do we integrate our Christian faith? How, what's the right balance of grace and truth? How do we interact in a culture that's so dark? James alludes to his half-brother's very first temptation in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. Jesus Raises and the Bible says uh, he grew in stature and favor with God and man. He got some skills. He was a carpenter's apprentice. He learned the language. He studied the law. He, he began to read the scripture and he started realizing who knows when that, oh my gosh, this is talking about me. You might remember this moment where a dove descends on him as he raises up from being baptized by his cousin John. Right? And at that moment, the full measure of the Holy Spirit came upon him for all of the, mar- the miracles that he would perform. And yet from that moment, he didn't go right out and do ministry. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Here, the James gives his people this formula that Jesus shows us in the Gospels about how you and I are to resist the devil. I want to talk about this for just a minute because this happened before Jesus was in the fight. This happened before he would encounter the demoniacs, before he would encounter all of the religious people, before he would encounter the Roman Empire, right? Before he would encounter any of the problems he would encounter in his ministry. He came into the wilderness, and it teaches us something about how do you and I resist the devil. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's so important. The first, everyone say first. The first thing you do, if these are out of order, by the way, uh, your life will be chaotic, especially as it comes to overcoming sin. You don't get to switch one and two in God's divine order of how to deal with things. The very first thing is you must submit to God. You see, many of us, we live our lives as if, I see this all the time. People are always, Christians particularly, they love to just ask God to bless what they're doing without ever acknowledging the things he already blessed. Did you know that God's first, even though he's not first, even if he's not first in your life? Did you know that like, you didn't put God on his throne. Did you know there's things in the Bible that God always blesses and there's things that he'll never bless? As a pastor, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I was so blessed to have a pastor who taught me this. Stop asking God to bless you and get under what he already blesses. If you do that, you can't escape the blessings of God. That's why he gives us his word. Submitting to God is literally putting your entire life under God's word. You know what that means? 
God defines what humility is. God defines what pride looks like. God defines who's male and female. God defines how you and I are to get along in the body of Christ. God defines the truth and anything that's not underneath what he defines as true, okay, you're not going to move God. Truth is either discovered or it's revealed. It's not invented or reinvented. So you and I, we should be asking God, reveal us more of your truth for my situation. Show me more about what you want me to do in light of what you already bless. If there's anything in my life that isn't under Scripture, by the way, we'll, we'll work out our salvation in fear and trembling, fear of the Lord, wanting to get it right. Meaning that we're this side of heaven, we're not all that we could be. But one day, if we don't quit, we will be made completely whole and righteous. It's a process, and we're going to stumble, but, the, but the, the place of truth, the anchor for our lives is God's word. This is with everything that we talk about, with everything you apply in your life, anything that's out of order, anything that's not submitted to God, can I just save you a lot of heartache and pain? He created you. He loves you, and he designed you to work a certain way, but you have to work his way. Does that make sense? We've got to submit to God. The next thing you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to speak God's word. You've got to learn to speak God's word. Jesus, in his temptations, he would repeatedly say, it is written. Many of us, we want our own word. And I love guys who are like, Pastor, I just need a fresh word. It's, it, I mean, the book's really old because it really works. It's really old, and it stood the test of time in all different civilizations. It can handle the iPhone generation. It's truth. doesn't need to be added to or subtracted from. It works. Many times as believers, we don't need a new word. We just need to do the last thing God told us to do. The truth of the matter is God will never take you beyond the last thing he told you to do. We need to know his word. We need to speak it. You know, it's not enough just to, to think a lie and then think a truth. They don't cancel each other out. It's not even enough to think a lie and, you know, speak that it's not true. The Bible says you've got to speak a truth that not only cancels the lie, but replaces it in your life, in your mind, in your heart. Jesus said it is written. It is written. Right? The word of God is over me, above me, before me. Jesus says, I'm the word made flesh. We need to learn to speak God's word. If you haven't practiced that, you've got to. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know my faith grows every single week hearing myself preach every single week. People are like, Pastor, that's a great message. I'm like, man, I needed it just as much as you did. Thank you for that. I do it 200 times a year. It better be good or you need to get your money back. <laughs> right? There's something about hearing God's word. Right now, you're hearing God's word. Don't forsake the gathering together of Christians. This matters. We all hear the truth so that we can hold each other accountable to the truth and grow and mature in our faith. We need to learn to speak the word. Much word, much power. Little word, little power. You resist the devil with the word. Next, we need to learn to stand firm. We submit to God. We speak God's truth. And then we do not move. The best ground to be standing on is the rock of God's word. It's the surest ground. You start trying to move that around, you're going to topple everything that you built on it. James 4, 7, and 8 in the message. I love this in the message. It says, so let God work his will in you. Everyone say me. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. The Bible says one day we're going to see the devil and we're going to be shocked that such a little wimpy dude created so much pain and havoc. Be shocked. In Texas, we call that a cowboy that's all hat, no cattle. Come on. <laughs> a dog that's all bark and no bite. But it says about God, it says, say a quiet yes to God. 
and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. I love this. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. You cannot please God with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You cannot please God and please people. You can't. Culture. Let's say culture. You can't please God and please culture at the same time. We need to learn to stand firm. It's so important. Temptation comes to us because we believe Satan's lie. I love that James starts off in this idea of humility because if you don't have to do a sin, well, you can be tricked. By the way, the Bible's a, Bible says the devil's a trickster. He has methods, ways, traps. He knows you and humanity for thousands of years. You really think you don't need a strategy to overcome him. That's your strategy. So what does humility practically look like? I'm glad you asked. A lot of people, when they think of humility, they immediately think, well, it's just weak. It's, it's, it's just kind of like just kind of huddled in a corner, and you're just, you're just all smiles and lollipops and happy, right? That's not. As you know, humility is not weakness according to God's word. It's strength. It's, it's, it's strength. So this is a big question. If God's telling me to, be humble my, to humble myself, what does that mean? I love the way the amplified version reads this. It says, uh, James 4.10, it says, humble yourselves, feeling very significant in the presence of Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your life significant. Instead of, stop trying to make yourself significant. Humble yourself. You're not. And God will choose when and where and how to lift you. First Peter chapter 5 in the Amplified says it like this, and I'm going to camp on this for a minute. This is a real problem. How, how, how does this humility built? How has it grown? Remember, James is talking to the church who are gathered to hear the word. He says this, likewise, you who are younger or of lesser rank, be subject to the elders. That's the ministers, the spiritual guides, the pastors of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Think about this for just a minute. I have a lot of people who say, man, I can, they think they can have a great Christian life and not have a pastor in a church that they're planted in. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It won't happen. It's like a kid without a family. You can never become all that God's created you to be apart from submitting yourself in church. I see all these people, man, they have all these ideas about how things should be ran. You know, they're like, it's like they're, they're just on an island, just them and God. That's not how God created you to be. The Bible says you're born again. When you're born again, you're born a son or daughter of God, but you're also born into a spiritual family. That is your local church. And I'm sorry, but a, pad, a podcast can't keep you accountable. A podcast can't help you separate and rightly divide what's the true and what's not. A podcast doesn't show up and, and visit you in the hospital. A podcast isn't there to give you advice, to push you forward. This is a real problem in the body of Christ. We actually think there's such a thing as online church, and I'm sorry, but there's not. There's the church. It's impartation. We're here. Can you learn some scripture? Can you learn? I absolutely love learning in my car with podcasts and different things. But you know what? I spent some time with my pastor last week. I got in his presence. I let him speak some things into my life. This may be your small group leader. It's not just me. We have all kinds of pastors in this church. What if the light we're supposed to shine starts first in the house of God? That's what the scripture says. That it's from the house of God that everything moves outward. We don't get to go outward. You can never love the world. Never, ever, ever, ever serve your neighbor apart from learning how in the body of Christ. And, you know, we have this thing that everyone's equal. Can I just tell you, that's just not true. That's a lie. Your mom and dad, if you treat them as equal, you're an idiot. <laughs> Bible calls an idiot a fool. You're a fool. There's three people in the book of Proverbs, the wise, the fool, and the simple. You know who the most dangerous person is? The simple. They don't know right from wrong. 
They don't know up for down. Right? Think about that for a minute. You soldiers in here, can you just go anywhere you want, anytime you want? Is there a protocol to walk into an office? You guys look at that. We snub our nose as younger men and women at that. The truth of the matter is God works through that. There's protection there. Yeah, there's sin, just like there's sin everywhere. Join the club. Okay, but, but he, he protects you. He covers you through that. There's nothing wrong with it. If every voice in your life is the same, you are going to suffer harm. There are people that are invested in you, that love you. Do not give the influence that somebody else has earned in your life away to somebody you don't even know. I don't know why. I don't know who that's for, but I'm telling you. Some of you guys in here, I, there's somebody in here that needs to hear that's not my notes. You literally think you can be strong in Christ and be the critic and the skeptic of the church, always folding your hands, always telling everybody else what they ought to do instead of actually getting off your blessed assurance and doing something yourself. Anyways, it's a good place to clap. Listen, we're going into a season. That kind of Christianity isn't going to work anymore. And I'm telling you, there's going to be moments and times where God's sifting. It's like, can't we just all get along? That's so divisive. Last I checked, the Bible says the gospel is going to be a sword that divides. Jesus says, I didn't come so you can all sing kumbaya and get along. I've come to literally, like he did in the beginning and the end, I separate light from darkness. Guess what happens? I separate light from darkness. That's happening all the time. I'm going to separate it in the middle of families. There'll be half families who want to stay in the darkness, and the other half wants to move into the light. That's why he gives you a greater family called the local church. Spirits thicker than blood. I know that. I was adopted. I was literally raised, raised by different couples in the body of, God, in the body of Christ. Somebody needs to hear that. Your natural family, right? Maybe, maybe it didn't come through for you. Maybe it wasn't good. Maybe it wasn't bad. But guess what? God wants to give you a new and a better family. You just got to get over yourself, stop licking your wounds, and take your place in the body of Christ. The choice is yours. He plants us and places us in the family. So what, what does humility look like in motion? I'm glad you asked. Thank you so much. I'm going to give you lots. I have 13 minutes left. I'm going to take 15. The first thing is, I must remain humble before God. He is the only one that ultimately matters. If he said it, do it. If you're wondering if it's right or wrong, go to the scripture. Go to your pastor. Start there. Stop Googling stuff. That's the greatest hypertext linked document in human history. It's all there, and it all links. The answer's in the word. The answer's in the leaders you've submitted yourself to. Trust somebody else more than yourself. So important. I'm going to give you a formula for this. It's not my notes, but man, I was thinking about this. It's like a sandwich. I mean, you like sandwiches. I told, my mom, I told my wife, that's my wife the other day. I said, make me a sandwich. She said, make yourself a sandwich. <laughs> I said, but your sandwiches are better. You toast them. She said, okay, I'll make you a sandwich. Anyways, think about a hamburger, right? You got the bun. For those of you that are, you know, gluten-free or whatever, you got the lettuce. I think that's a little out of order, but whatever. You got the tomato, the cheese, the meat. You got the bottom bun or piece of lettuce, right? It's a sandwich, Okay, this open face stuff, no, that's a frittata, no, it's a sandwich, that's a tostada, frittata, whatever, it's a sandwich, you need all of it to be complete, write this down, the first thing you need to do is worship God, that's what we do in here, that's why church matters, 
There's something powerful when God's people get together and they lift his name above every dysfunction and problem they have in their life and that's in their world. They reorient their face to God. The next is praise God for what he's done. By the way, when you worship God, you worship him for who he is, not who you want him to be. How do you know who he is? His word. Next, you praise him for what he's done in your life and he's done something in your life. If you can't see God in your life, you're entitled and you're not paying attention. Come see one of us pastors or small group leaders or staff. We'll help you, we'll help you find out how God's moving in your life. He is. Even when you don't feel it and even when you don't see it, he's moving. The next is thank God. Thank him for all that you have. We live in one of the most decadent cultures of all the planet. Billionaires at the turn of the century, right, didn't live as good as the poorest today. Next is remain grateful. I love this remain. It's a choice for every single blessing, even the small ones. You ready for the bottom bun, for a piece of lettuce? Serve God. This is a big one. Serve God. Many of us, we just come and we hear about God, but we never serve God. Do you know why you can't be a member here unless you serve? Because you don't have the bottom bun. That, that, that's, that's the Some of you in here want, where's God in my life? We've been talking about membership and joining a serve team. If you've been going to this church more than two months and you're not on a serve team, either get on one or find another church. That's hard. Oh, God, so hard, Pastor. It's the truth. And you know what? It's the greatest thing I can do for you. Because the longer you sit here consuming and not serving... The more rotten you're going to be, the more religious you're going to be, the more mean you're going to be, and the more you're going to be inoculated with just enough God so you can't have all of God. But when you start serving, you start realizing, oh my God, you've literally, you've put it in my hands. I, I can be a part of what you're doing, purpose, meaning, fulfillment. It's the best thing I can do for you as a pastor. If you don't feel comfortable serving here, I will help you find another church to feel comfortable serving in. Two months, that's what you got. Eight weeks, that's pretty good. Then start serving other people. Struggling with depression? Start serving other people. It's the best antidepressant I've ever had in my life. I'll tell you. You fall back into this. What's easy? Popping a pill. What's a little difficult? Getting your butt out of bed, getting dressed, getting to church. What's going to pay off the best in the long run? 25 years of struggling with depression and anxiety, I can tell you. Nothing lifts me more than serving in the body of Christ. So when we talk about serve team socials and stuff, when we invite you out, I think the next one's at my house. Why don't you come? Get to know some people. Get online. We've made it super easy. You can literally go online, and you can do it all online, and next week you can start serving wherever you want. By the way, if you don't like kids, we don't want you in kids. <laughs> it's not about like, oh my gosh, it's drudgery. I hear people all the time, man, I've been burnt out. Burnout? What are you talking about? If you served every single time the church is open, that's less than six hours a week. I'm just so burnt out. No, you're just not being obedient. It's an opportunity to step in and to serve. If you're on staff, I tell our team this all the time. Burnout, that's a you problem, not a them problem. Get yourself right. Worship God. Consume the right things. But make sure you're not just a repository for all that goodness. God didn't make you that way. That's why the Dead Sea's dead. Everything comes in, but nothing goes out, so nothing lives there. A lot of believers look like that. It's when you open up your life. This is why in scripture, the picture of the river is the picture of life. The river of what? Life flowed through the Garden of Eden. Your life, when it's alive, it's moving, it's flowing. You're consuming so that you can be a channel of blessing to other people. The, the longer it takes you to learn that, the longer you're just wasting time. And why would you do that? Why would you waste time? Don't waste time. Get involved. It's so 
important. That's the whole sandwich with humbling yourself before God. You've got to remain humble before people. I'm going to tell you, it comes from being humble to God. You won't even know what humility is or feels like until you're humble before God. By the way, how do you do that? Humility is not looking down on yourself. It's coming down from yourself. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. If you're always looking down on others, as long as you're looking down, you can never look up and see what God's doing. And he's doing things all around you. And I'm going to tell you, this next season in the church, man, God wants to just completely transform your life, but he's not a tyrant and a bully. He's not going to do it without your permission, without your cooperation. He respects you as an image bearer of himself. He gave you choice. You've got to use it. What does it practically look like? I'm going to give you some thoughts here. Again, I believe every person has to apply this in their own life. It's not about telling other somebody else when they're not being humble. It's about you dealing with it in your life. This is why Jesus said, hey, you know what? Take the log out of your eye so you can see clearly to take the small little speck that's irritating your brothers. We are so focused on the little speck in our brother's eyes that we can't even really help them because we can't, we can't, we're not dealing with the big log in our own. How do you do that? First, humility is a posture. You've got to dress yourself in it daily. How many of you are born naked? That's what we say. Naked. You're born naked. Come on, raise your hand. You're all born naked. What did you have to do? Put on your clothes. None of your clothes got put on you by accident this morning. Didn't just happen. By the way, humility didn't just happen. Bible says just like your clothes, you got to put it on. Because you know what? You don't wake up in the morning with it. How many of y'all woke up in the morning just thinking about everyone else and love, peace, and joy? Depending on your age, probably woke up wondering what you didn't have. When you get older, you wonder what you don't have anymore. <laughs> you think about yourself. What do you got to do? You got to put it on. It's a decision you have to make. Next, humility is an attitude and a mindset. And it's not just any attitude and mindset. It's Christ. Philippians 2, 5, let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. By the way, it's not, it's meekness isn't weakness. Humility isn't, listen, Jesus received the sinner when the sinner was repentant and willing. Jesus also rebuked, rebuked the religious people when they weren't, overthrew the tables in the synagogue. I'm just saying, we have this one-dimensional view. Was Jesus ever not humble? He only saw, he only did what he saw the Father doing. This is why it's so important that you're planted in a church, that your faith grows and it's healthy. It's not isolated. By the way, every time you're alone, I've watched this. People who are isolated, they're weird. <laughs> Have you ever seen Castaway? That's freaking weird. You get weird. You think crazy stuff. You start wanting to argue about why church is on Sunday and not Saturday. Because in the Bible, you start getting mad at the Easter bunny. You start like just getting weird. You just get weird. You need pastors to go, you're weird. You need brothers and sisters to go, stop being weird. By the way, that's, why health, that's what healthy families are. You're sitting at a table. Somebody comes in with something that's a little outside the norm. What's going to happen? You're weird. Cut that out. Don't do that. Go put your nose in the corner. Come back. Be nice to your brother and sister. You have to learn that stuff, not just naturally, but super in the family of God. I'm so grateful. You know, people always have this big church, small church thing. I'm sitting there going, big church is awesome. You know what? By the way, churches throughout history have been big, huge. All the ancient churches were mega churches. That's been defined differently throughout the years because we have AC and, you know, speaker systems. But think about that for just a minute. In big church, man, you go to a small group, they're a bunch of nerds, and you're not. 
Maybe they're cool and you're the nerd. I don't know. They're not your people. Aren't you glad there's always more people? You know, I, listen, that's why the Bible says we're a body. I'm, I'm glad the nose is next to the armpit. We can argue about who's the nose and who's the armpit. But the truth is the body of Christ doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to click with everybody. Anybody here has more than one brother and sister. You know what I'm talking about. Different seasons of your life, you connect with them differently and more intimately. Man, I couldn't stand my youngest sister growing up. When I got older, she's one of my favorites. It's just different. You have different relationships with your family. That's an okay thing. It's so important. It's a mind to, mindset and an attitude. Humility is the nature of God. Other gods, ask, other gods ask you to do what they refuse to do. Our God asks us to do what he's already done. Jesus came and showed us. There's nothing you're going through that he doesn't understand. There's nothing you're facing that he hasn't faced. Aren't you glad? We make excuses for this. Well, you can't understand my truth because you didn't live my experience. The truth is the truth. It's not your truth and it's not my truth. It's over every single one of us. Meaning every one of us, whether we've had an experience like this or an experience like that, okay, we can all know and live the truth, period. By the way, that's a form of situational Gnosticism. It's evil. Somebody doesn't have to have your exact life experience to tell you what God's word says is true. And did you know God's word, like it's true whether or not you believe it's true. And it will work against you or it will work for you. You get to make the decision. God says, I've set before you life and death, open book test. Oh, that they would choose life that it would go well for them. The choice isn't God's, it's ours. We've got to make the choice. What follows the humble person as we close? First Peter 5, 5 through 6, I'm going to read the whole thing. Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders, the ministers, and the spiritual guides of the church. That's important, of the church, not of the culture, not of the celebrity pastors, but the one that's actually here having to put up with you, that one. giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel, clothe like an apron yourself, all of you, with humility. All of us, even the pastors. All of us, as the garb of a servant so that the covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous. You know what presumption means? You hear one side of the story, but you don't get the other and you make a decision. That's evil and presumptuous probably shouldn't have even heard the one side that's gossip does it have to do with you mind your own business man nobody's preaching like me i'm telling you nobody's amen and shouting me down you know what i don't care guys i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna be just completely honest when i go to bed at night both of myself and of you i think to myself i'm gonna stand before god one day and ain't none of those hearsayers or naysayers gonna be there with me and God's going to look at me and go, what did you do with what I gave you? I ain't the pastor of Facebook, but you better believe I'm going to tell you the truth, even when it's hard to hear. But here's the thing about spiritual family. You say the truth, and then you stand there, and you don't leave. You say the truth, they don't do it, you say it again. They don't do it, you say it again. Why? Because spirit's thicker than blood. And I believe this with all my heart. God wants to get things in us that only get there by repetition and by discipline who are bearing, disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. He opposes, frustrates. He defeats them, but he gives grace. How many of you guys want favor and blessing? He gives grace to the people who get under his plan, who get under his plan. A few things I want to say when I'm, before we're done. 
what follows a humble person, first grace. Grace in this context is like the wind's at your back, you know? How many of y'all run? I don't run. But I would imagine if you're going up and down a hill, you're, it's more exciting to go down the hill than up the hill. I would just imagine. It's, it's kind of like that. You have the momentum at your back. And you have this gravity, right? You have the momentum at your back. And when you're going up a hill, you have the momentum in front of you. But it's like the wind at your back. That's grace. That's how you, you look through somebody going through a horrific situation. And you go, how are they still happy giving joy in that circumstance? Not for it, but in it. How, how is that possible? Well, they have a grace. That's what happens. We get graced to go through tough things. The next thing is we get wisdom. Proverbs 11:2. when pride comes boiling up with an arrogant attitude of self-importance, then comes dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable, who have been chiseled by trial, chiseled by trial, and who have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. We talked about that last week. If you missed wisdom, go back. We learned about it. What about favor? Proverbs 18, 12, pride first, then the crash, but humility is the precursor to honor. It always comes first. You don't wait to honor. You honor. You don't wait to be humble. You do it first. What about blessing? Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. What about power? James 4, 6, as we close, says, but he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and haughty and continually, I love this because it's continual. It's something we don't get right the first time, the 10th time, the 100th time. Maybe not even completely right this side of heaven. But as we keep practicing, we keep being conformed into, the, into the, the, the image of Christ, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. There are two great attributes of any man or woman that loves Jesus. The first one is humility. The second one is resolve. I, we'll call it this, humble resolve. You know, God's called you to live and thrive, but he, you will only get there according to his will and by living his ways. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. Thank you, Father, for each and every person in here. Thank you, Father, for those that needed to hear you today in a way that maybe they haven't heard you in a while. I pray that that deposit that was from you, not me, I pray, Father, it would take root in their life, that they would act on it. That as James says, they wouldn't just be hearers of the word, that they would be doers. Imperfect though they are, they keep putting one step in front of the other. I pray your spirit would help them and guide them. I also pray for anybody in here within the sound of my voice that's far from you, they don't know you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring them into all truth, that they wouldn't leave this place the same way that they came. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, we're almost done. This is the most important thing we do across all of our locations. We give a place and a space for people who are far from God to draw near to him. Maybe you're in here and you're far from God. Maybe at one point you followed God, but you've been trying to live one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and you've realized you're mostly the world. If I was to look at your life, it would be clear you don't know God. Maybe you're in here and you've never given your life to, God, to Christ. You've, you've tried everything in life, but as you've heard these words this morning, there's something welling up in you. The Bible calls that the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The more you ignore it, the worse your life gets. If you're in here today, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, but you feel that welling up in your heart. My advice is to yield to it, to get your life right with God. Whether you're in here and you need to start or restart relationship with God, I think it's important that you acknowledge that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out or bring you to the front. We're not going to do any of that stuff you may be seen in TV or in 
in other church services. But I do think it's important. God says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. Jesus said that. And between me, you, and God, I think it's important if you're far from him that you're honest about that and you acknowledge that. If that's you, would you just put your hand up halfway and put it right back down? Does anybody of you say that's me? I see you. I see you. Put it up, put it right back down. You're just acknowledging between me, you, and God that you're there. I see you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. There's no magical power in it. This prayer is really an act of free will. The power comes from you believing what the Bible says about Jesus is true, confessing with your own mouth. I'm going to lead you in a prayer based on Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I want to encourage you, if you raised your hand and you really meant it, I want to encourage you to say this prayer just loud enough where you can hear your own voice. As a matter of fact, we're going to surround you as believers and we're going to say this prayer loud so as to encourage your faith. But I want to encourage you to make it an expression of why you raised your hand in the first place. I believe on the other side of this, God's going to tell you what to do. He's going to give you a step. And here's my advice. Take the step. Do the next thing. Right now, the next thing is praying to get right with God. Church, we believe in what they're doing. Let's pray this prayer all together. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are God, and I believe that you're good. I believe on the third day, after you were killed, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you conquered death so that I could have life. Today I choose that life. Today I make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Today I'm yours. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together.